1: on the previous episode of The Monster of Romance.
0: He used the cover of the COVID pandemic to move up to Northern Ireland in May 2020. He was known to the authorities in the South, though, and he was preying on vulnerable women online. He was trawling through all these women's Facebook accounts, WhatsApp accounts. He was obsessed by this. His behaviour had escalated. He was texting women saying, petrol bombs are wonderful surprises. He was texting a young woman, I'm going to murder you.
1: They're going to die, f-ing, I swear. They're going to be six foot on the right beside them. A dirty f***ing fat f-ing. I swear they're going to die a miserable death. I mean that. In episode 2, we find out how Philip O'Shea went from online catfisher to real-life stalker, and how he got caught.
0: Filmed one, leaving the bin out, and sent her a copy of the tape. Another woman, she got a text message one night from him, saying, I'm parked down the bottom of your road, looked out her window, and she said, he looked back at me, I could see these eyes, these evil eyes. It's him, he was outside. If he had not been caught, they don't know where he would have stopped.
1: I'm joined by Sharon O'Neill from The Sunday Life. Sometimes we look at a case and we look at all of these quotes and the impact in, 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 in front of us. Um, and we listen to what people were saying. For example, it was horrendous. I was scared. The threats were the hardest involving my life, my children. It was life-changing. I was looking over my shoulder all the time. He's evil, manipulative, cruel. Every word you can think of. It's not our fault and it's not our fault he chooses to behave in this way. He hates women, especially single women. I mean, we always have to think about what the motivation is. And sometimes I'm just looking at this and it's like, maybe it's just a bad one. I mean, what, 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 what other explanation can we really come up with? Because did he ever ask for money?
0: Surprisingly, no, he didn't. And when you have the, you know, you have two different issues here. You have the uh, putting the sexual conversations online and you have the sexual videos. Okay, and he actually sent them a lot of uh, sexual videos as well. The sexual videos is what you would call sextortion. And normally with sextortion, you would have a request for money. He never asked for money. And uh, we know that people have taken their own lives over sextortion. Um, tragically, there was uh, the famous case here of uh, the 17-year-old boy, Karen. you might remember, uh, Ronan Hughes, back in 2015. And Ronan ended up taking his own life uh, when he was tricked by uh, a Romanian uh, man to... Uh, who he sent images to and uh, it was a terrible case, a terrible loss of life and that brought the whole sextortion uh, crime to uh, the fore here. But that goes on day and daily in Northern Ireland, behind the scenes that no one knows about. In this case, he never demanded money. Police believe it was purely for sexual gratification.
1: Another aspect of this story that it seems to me is now, obviously, and we're all, I don't like to use the word guilty of this, but we all do this, and that is we put too much online, even those of us who put maybe very little online, and that if someone wants to build up a picture of yourself, your movements, where you are, what you're interested in, and we know that because we can see, I mean, my TV broke the other day, and I don't remember, you know, but I keep getting emails about a TV bracket. Uh, why would you would you are you interested in this t v bracket i don't know why um uh, and adverts and so we know we're being trailed, but we know that that's what social media is all about that's what Facebook and Twitter are doing they're building up pictures of us to the, so they can try and sell us stuff, but some of us put more personal stuff online than others and obviously there are privacy settings on Facebook which we can minimise what other people can see uh, uh, but others and I do notice that others don't bother with that at all. They put pictures of themselves, their kids, their life and this is a sort of person out there who's who's a predator who is going to gather this information and. Um, and use it against you, you know what I mean? There's Because because that's one of the lines coming through this, that people have just have been unaware of the amount of information that they have provided him with in order to let him get in there.
0: Absolutely, and that's what he was doing. He was literally hoovering all of that up. He was hoovering everything up about all the women and he was taking all the information he knew all, all about their families, all about their children all about, some of them had husbands some of them had split up from their husbands he knew everything he knew everything about extended family he threatened about extended family he knew if some of them had issues with social services, he knew it all in fact he would have made a brilliant detective and you know that's the problem and and the women I spoke to said you know what, if I had realised back then what I know now I would have never have gone online in the first place, you know, and they they feel awful. But, you know, in the end, they have brought a perpetrator to justice.
1: Now, Sharon, you've spoken to a number of victims. Uh and their testimony and their stories are available online on our website in the belfasttelegraph.co.uk. They're also available on the Sunday Life newspaper. people have a physical copy of the paper from uh Now in terms of I mean how how did they come across when they were telling their stories?
0: They were all first of all, the women are very strong women, Kieran. And You know, the women all have children. The women were at particularly low points in their lives at that time. And I understand that. And, you know, I would have felt like that at that time myself during the pandemic. And I understood, you know, they were saying, look, you know, we that's how we met. We meet people online these days, you know, and you know, so I understood why they met this guy online. I didn't go, how stupid were you? You know why did you let this guy in? You know because i under I understood, and listening to them, I understood the panic because once they showed me Karen the text messages. And the frequency of those text messages, once he got that hook in, that hook of the catfish, I keep keep going back to that. It's once he got that hook of the catfish in, it was relentless. And all I could think about when they were talking to me was the panic of being alone in the house with their kids. And that panic and almost having a heart attack, thinking about, oh, my God, all of this is going to go online. What do I do? How do I get him off my back? My family are going to go berserk. My life is going to be out there. The shame of it all, the stigma. Nobody's going to talk to me. This is going to be horrific. I'm going to have to do this because this is this is awful, my life is going to fall apart. I'm going to have to do what, you know, and this is what one woman said to me, Sharon, in the space of 10 hours, I did two videos, the worst thing I ever did in my life, but I had to get him off my back. He was bombarding me with call after call after call and I felt my life falling apart before my eyes and I thought, if I don't do this, it's over.
1: Could you give us an idea of the timeline involved? I mean, how much time? How, how much time would he have taken? Is, is, is it minutes, hours, weeks, or months? You know, from the, the initial bite and to the full on demands.
0: Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks was, I would say, an average. So it would have been, you know, trying to get in there, getting the friend request. So it took, you know. The, you know, I suppose, like any kind of you know, getting to know you type thing, so it wasn't kind of straight in that you know, if somebody's overly too familiar, you kind of go, no, no, thanks very much. thanks, but no, thanks. And then it was once that hook. I keep saying it. But once that hook was in, that was it. You know, and let, I kind of want to give you Karen. and I'll give you some of the messages that a young a young girl, um who's just twenty, and he bombarded her in the space of just a few minutes. And he used the, uh, the name Jay Davenport. I'm going to murder you the next time I see you in town. That's a fact, mark my words. I'll smash you in the face with my fist and I'll stab you to death. Then he sends another one straight after. You know, with the emoji, knife, knife, knife. Your car, your car, it's and on fire. Ha ha, bullets coming for you right in the head. Now, she was getting that every second, every minute of the day. That would drive you around the bend.
1: It certainly would. It certainly, I mean, it certainly would. And it's very difficult to to know how anyone would react. They are threats to kill. He was based in Bush Mills, at least for this part of his life. Where were they based in general?
0: They were based all over Northern Ireland, so every corner of Northern Ireland. So he was kind of, you know, plucking them. It didn't really matter. So he was plucking them, you know, from anywhere, really. You know, location didn't matter on Facebook.
1: But he does, it did seem to be in this general geographical area, at least that we know of from, from, from the latest court case.
0: Yes, he picked people from, or women from all over, Northern Ireland, every corner of Northern Ireland, in fact. And while he didn't meet any of them face to face, he did call to some of their houses. He filmed one, leaving the bin out, and sent her a copy of the tape. Another woman, I spoke to a mother of five in County Armagh, she got a text message one night from him saying... I'm parked on the bottom of your road. A few nights later, she was doing the dishes, looked out her window. A van slowly drove past. She looked out the window and went, who's that there? And she said, he looked back at me. I could see these eyes, these evil eyes. And she said, it just clicked on me. It's him. He was outside. He was a stalker.
1: He was a stalker? He seems a very, very bad man and a very frightening man. And as you said, this is way, way beyond, you know, it's way beyond. I mean, I suppose the sending, you know, getting people to send pictures of themselves in a vulnerable position, you know, in a a sense that's very serious for most of us, but it it went well beyond that. You know, we, we do have to ask the question, where could this have ended up because, I mean, he's going to people's houses, he's filming them, he's collecting information, he's making direct threats to kill. Have the PSNI commented about that?
0: Well, the police obviously carried out their investigation. He's behind bars. Now, the victims very bravely came forward. Without them coming forward, Kieran, there wouldn't be a case. That's the bottom line. It's very difficult in these cases to come forward because there's a lot of shame there's a lot of embarrassment and predators like O'Shea know that and that's the thing.
1: Did they all come together, you know, I asked whether they knew each other because I was wondering well how did they come together? Or, no they or,
0: didn't they, it's How separately. did they come
1: out at the same time? Or yeah, come they forward, all something?
0: came together they all reported to police and then it was all grouped together in one okay. big investigation and the lady in County Armagh who saw who stared at O'Shea through her kitchen window the police officer initially called to see her reporting uh, when she first reported it. He told, he said to her, this is something like out of a Netflix documentary. This is like something you'd see on Netflix. And she said, yeah, but it's, it's real life. He says, you're right. Yeah, it is totally, except it's real. And the scale of it is unreal. The police, do they believe there are more victims? yes. Are they likely to come forward? We don't know. They could on the back of all the publicity with this. And there's another dimension to this as well, Kieran. Um, Whenever O'Shea came up initially, remember he came up in May 2020. He's from Kilkenny. During the mitigation aspect of his sentencing, it was argued that he had a drink problem and he pleaded guilty to all, almost 60 charges, and that uh, his his, uh, sister had died and he was severely impacted on that. But whenever he moved up here back in May 2020, he was under investigation in the South, Okay, But he was still able to move about. But there was a report in with the Director of Public Prosecutions there for harassment. It has now been decided that he will be charged with harassment, and so he's likely to face extradition down there for similar offences. So there's potentially, potentially other victims down there as well.
1: How was he caught? Because he's, I mean, he people only were getting a glance of him. Um, obviously he was using fake names, fake pictures. Everything was fake. He was a catfisher. So how did he get caught? How did they collar him?
0: Well, it was down to... A, if you remember, I was talking about the girl, the 20-year-old uh, victim in County Fermanagh. She saw a 10-second clip of him and thought she recognised him. A complete fluke, Karen, uh, at a petrol station in County Fermanagh. Contacted the police, gave the reg the car, and it really unfolded from there. Then that led police then to his house in Bush Mills, and he fessed up.
1: This is 32-year-old Philip O'Shea. He targeted nearly 30 women in what's been described as a horrible and cruel set of offences. He had pleaded guilty to 57 charges, including blackmail, harassment, threats to kill and disclosing private sexual photographs. This morning, he was handed an eight-year three-month sentence at Antrim Crown Court. And in the end, he pleaded guilty, which in a sense has robbed us... I, I I don't mean, I mean, it, it saved the victims from further hurt. Of course it has. But this is something which we kind of need to know more about in terms of why and the motivation. But pleading guilty now, we're, we're left to guess an awful lot of this. We, we, we can tell the f- unbelievable facts of this case. But why? Why? It, it, it still remains a big mystery for us here.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's like anybody who's uh, pleaded guilty in any serious crime like this and... Um, is that really, you never really fully know why. Only the perpetrator knows why. And really, it's only O'Shea who ultimately knows why he did what he did. If, Kieran, I suppose, if he put his, the efforts that he did into this crime into a legitimate job, he would be pretty successful. But he didn't, he put it into a pretty terrifying. Crime and he's left a lot of victims in his wake. And, you know, one thing about all these women is that what they want to do is tell other women out there that, look, be careful online. I mean, this, he's not a one off. There are a lot of people like O'Shea online lurking behind. Profiles, fake identities, who are up to no good and will make your life a living hell.
1: Can we just clarify? Did he plead guilty to all of the charges levelled at him? He at, did in two sep-
0: two separate batches, almost sixty, and that includes harassment, threats to kill, blackmail, and distributing images. So very, very serious charges indeed he pleaded guilty to and you know one victim told uh, the court in her victim impact statement you know it was a tremendous act of compassion she said I hope he gets whatever help he needs and I mean that from my heart.
1: He clearly needs a lot of help but he did get a considerable sentence can we just can you tell us what he was sentenced to?
0: Yes he got eight years and that is to be split with time in prison to time on supervised licence. He's already spent just over a year in prison and so he has another few years still to spend in prison.
1: Obviously, uh, this is an extreme example and therefore maybe a bad example, but I think it is an example too. perhaps a lot of people out there that what you say on social media and what you do in social media is not a game and it's not a, it's, you know, no matter what you think it is, it's very real. It's very serious and it has real, real impacts on people.
0: Yeah, it does indeed. And, you know, I I suppose, you know, for me, the judge summed up what O'Shea was doing to these women and she said that, you know, blackmail was an offence which preyed on the soul and it really did rip out their souls, you know. Some of these women are still on medication, Karen, for what he put them through. You know, they, some of them did contemplate suicide on the back of what he put them through.
1: Sharon O'Neill from Sunday Life, thank you very much. Thank you. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. And if you want to find out more about this story, go to belfasttelegraph.co.uk.